This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. One of the great things about having a podcast is it gives you a pretext to ask interesting, smart people questions that you're curious about and just hear their take, hear them riff on something. And uh, it's something that you wouldn't normally in conversation, even your close friends, you wouldn't just necessarily say, hey, give me your thoughts on, you know, X, Y, and Z. Uh, but a podcast gives you an excuse to do that. And it's really fun. So I am experimenting with a new type of sort of special episode. It's some smart people say some stuff. And uh, I get some ideas every once in a while about concepts that I'm thinking about and different ways to utilize those concepts to improve my life, help me reach my goals, etc. And I love to hear other people's takes on those. So today, some smart people say some stuff about backup plans, the concept of a backup plan. And what's great is I asked a baker's half dozen, I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm going to say it's a thing. A baker's dozen is 13, right? 12 plus an extra. Baker's half dozen is seven. It's a half dozen plus an extra. You get what I did there? Brilliant, huh? Anyway, uh, I asked just the first people that came to mind all within, you know, like the same day uh, over email, over Voxer. Hey, what do you think about the concept of backup plans? And I didn't give them anything. I didn't say, I'm doing an episode where I talk about the dangers of backup plans, talk about the pros of backup plans, good kinds. But I just said, what do you think of backup plans? And what I love about it is whatever comes to people's mind, whatever they think of responding with, and everybody responded within a day or two, um, some of them right there on the spot on Voxer uh, in the middle of a conversation, I just stole what they said and said, I'm going to use this on a podcast and others emailed it to me. It took a little bit more time to think about it. Um, but what I love about it is, you know, it can, it can seem that there are seven different contradictory opinions about backup plans. And maybe some of them do contradict. I, I happen to think that they don't. I am obsessed with taking every idea and every viewpoint possible and not asking whether it's right or wrong in some objective sense, even though I believe that there is uh, an objective reality and objective truth, but asking, in what way can this be useful to me? How can this analogy, how can this metaphor, how can this way of viewing this concept be useful to me? And I find all seven of these takes incredibly useful in different ways, in different contexts, and um, at different times. And... It's really, really interesting. Some of the comments are, oh, backup plans are essential. They're really valuable. Here's why. Some of them are backup plans are terrible. They're holding you back. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I, think, I don't think any of them contradict personally, but I'll let you decide for yourself. So I'm going to let you hear each of these individual takes. I'll give a brief intro to um, super quick intro to who the person is that is sharing about the concept let you hear their take, what they sent me, uh, raw and unedited. And um, at the end, I will give a quick thought of my own on backup plans. And uh, maybe you can extract some wisdom from this. I hope so. I hope you have fun with it. I absolutely loved getting these from everybody and putting this together. Um, I think this is really cool. And I hope to do this more with additional concepts. So first up, we have Albert Liu and Albert is, uh, he's actually guest host of this podcast before, as well as, uh, he's been interviewed here and I've been interviewed on his podcast. Albert's the host of the power and market report. And, uh, you can find him on iTunes on SoundCloud and Albert gives his take on backup plans 
right now. Hey Isaac, your buddy Albert here. Thanks so much for uh, giving me this great topic. It was very fun to think about actually. I hadn't really uh, thought about it quite this way before. My take is basically a, a backup plan can serve one of uh, two broad objectives. One is to avoid a complete failure and the second is to ensure success. And I think it's the second of those that is relevant uh, to most people. But I'll start with the first, to avoid complete failure. An example I'd give you is uh, if you're an engineer designing a, a nuclear reactor, you need a backup plan if, if things go wrong. And it's, it's definitely a situation where you're aborting your mission. So it is a failure in the sense that you're giving up, but you can save the situation by not literally melting down. And so that's one type of backup plan uh, that is very important. But for most of us, I think the backup plan or the plan B should be thought of as just another way to achieve your main priority, your main goal, your plan A. And so I would start with plan A and uh, I would ask, first of all, if you really know what you want, uh, because many of us don't, especially when we're young. So for instance, your plan A may be to go to med school, but really what you really want is perhaps to be a doctor or maybe what you really want is just to heal people or just to help people or maybe you want the prestige of being a doctor or maybe you just want the money whatever it is I think it's important that you kind of go through all that and figure out what you really want so then you know what your real plan A is and it's not just with careers it's with everything in life uh, sometimes we pursue things without really knowing what we want uh, you may want to get married but then later find that really what you just wanted was companionship or you wanted a, a family with children and really all you wanted was uh, someone to mentor and nurture. So I think that's a helpful thing to do is to go in and and really understand what we want with plan A. And then the backup plan is just another path to that same goal because obviously life is unpredictable, things happen, you may lose your job, uh, you may suffer an illness, you know all kinds of things can happen. Uh, that will derail um, you from your objective and I think a plan B is just another way to get to that goal and I think it's important to have one because uh, it's really uncomfortable and I experience this myself at times when you're really focused in on something and something comes along and just knocks you off course if you don't have something immediately to fall back on it's really disheartening but if you have something basically a plan B backup plan, contingency plan, whatever you want to call it, that you can immediately fall back on and keep pushing ahead, I think it's it's very helpful uh, to keep you motivated in achieving your goal. I'll leave you with this quote from Warren Buffett, and uh, it's the two rules of investing. You may have heard of this. Rule number one is never lose money, and rule number two is never forget rule number one. And I think in this case, I have a similar rule, and that is with plan A, be honest and realistic and sincere about what you want and with plan B never lose sight of plan A. It's all I got Isaac. I hope it helps. Take care. By the way, it's worth mentioning that uh, when I asked everybody, I said, hey, give me two minutes on backup plans. And some people came in at two minutes or three minutes. Some people came in at five or eight minutes. <laughs> pretty, pretty interesting. And I knew that would happen. I specifically said, give me two minutes because I know in most of our minds, Two minutes is like just quick thoughts off the top of the head. But if you're like me 
and you say a lot and you have a lot more bouncing around in there than you realized about a topic uh, or you <laughs> process verbally, it can take a, a few minutes longer than that. Um, but all of the clips that I got were just so good that uh, even the ones that were five and eight minutes, I did not edit down because they're awesome. All right, next up we have Cameron Sorsby. And Cameron, for some context here as well. Oh, and for Albert, um, I think it's interesting to know where people are in life. Albert is really successful in business and he is probably, Albert, don't get mad at me, 40-something. Cameron is in his mid-20s and he works with me at Praxis. And Cameron gives his take on backup plans right now. So thinking back on my relationships and past views on on backup plans has actually surprised me quite a bit because between my high school and college years, I would have described myself as someone who would have taken a more conservative professional path, someone who had a low risk tolerance and, and certainly someone who would have been scared off by, you know, going more of a entrepreneurial route, being involved in in starting and growing companies. So even having said that, when I was, you know, in my teen and early 20 years, I was actually never really focused on coming up with a backup plan. And I always paid attention more to trying to figure out what makes me come alive. How can I kind of mesh together both my passions and my professional life? Because I kind of had some early self-knowledge at that age that I knew I wouldn't have done a career very well or any type of job if I wasn't, you know, truly passionate about it and 100% committed to it. So even though I had that conservative background and mindset at an early age, I never really developed an affinity for, for backup plans. And the issue again came to light when I started working for Praxis about a year ago, and people were very excited for me. They were proud, proud of me for kind of taking this step and being involved in, in an interesting company like Praxis. And at the same time, they tried to kind of warn me that this path might be risky. And it was interesting to me because I never really looked at it that way. And this, is, this kind of summarizes my views on, on backup plans where if you go into something, you know, your, your ideal path, and even if you don't know if it's going going to succeed, the personal growth you'll develop from that is going to be much more valuable than trying to map out two or three different paths and, and backup plans that you can take. At the end of the day, the long-term value, you're going to gain much more of that long-term value from going after what you want now. Thank you, Cameron Sorsby. Next up, we have my brother, Levi Morehouse. Levi is the founder and CEO of Ceteris with a C, ceterisinc.com. Very, very successful, incredibly fast-growing company that does cloud-based accounting and bookkeeping services for small businesses, primarily uh, franchise owners. And uh, Levi is a little older than me, so mid-30s, well, not quite mid-30s, 34, and uh, married, has five children, has a business, so that gives you a little bit of context from where he's coming from. So let's hear what Levi has to say about backup plans. Backup plans. This is a very interesting topic to me professionally as I, I think everyone has a different tolerance for risk in their life. And a backup plan is a great way to feel more 
able to go and pursue what you want, knowing that the landing is not going to be as hard as it might be if you just hadn't thought about failure or changing plans or changing paths. So I'm going to throw an analogy. Uh, I like to compare it to like rock climbing. Not that I'm a great rock climber, but it's a great analogy in my opinion. Um, so I think of like the ultimate no backup plan guy is the free climber who's going to just scale a giant cliff <clears throat> with nothing but himself, his fingers, his toes, his grit, his energy, etc., and try to get to the top. And that's probably the fastest way to the ultimate peak. It's also the way that's most likely to cause massive injury or death if you don't succeed, if you get tired, if the wind blows. You know, anything could happen in your control or not that will lead to catastrophic results. But again, if you get to the top, not only is it amazingly personally uh, validating and amazing, uh, it's also everyone looks and says, wow, that guy really is tough and has bravado and courage and everything else, maybe a little crazy, but we love that. It's a great story. I think that's very few people uh, that want to free climb it. So you, that now you're left with people that want to take a helicopter up, <laughs> which isn't really very cool to anyone, um, or climb it, but put some safeguards in place. So to me, backup plans is, you know, using some rope, putting some pegs in as you pass certain spots, making sure that if you fall, it's not catastrophic. And again, that can be done in various degrees. You can do it a lot. You can spend a ton of time putting the safeguards in place, having the backup plans in place, or you can do it, you know, just enough to keep from dying. So you put those in just at the spots where it'll keep it from being a catastrophic fall. That's where I fall. That's where I think success is, is best handled. By taking risks that are large, and a setback will actually be pretty painful because you're going to be way further down the mountain uh, or the cliff. You're going to you know, struggle to get back to where you were, but at the same time, you didn't slow yourself down on the way up as much. But yeah, you, did, you are avoiding that catastrophic result. As you get higher and closer to that peak, maybe you, maybe you do that a little more often. So again, there's a lot less to, to risk and lose lower down. So maybe you, you're a little riskier. You don't have as many backup plans. That's kind of my take on it. And then ultimately you get to the top, you had some safeguards, and you go that way. What I would absolutely advise, and this is what I think a lot of people get into, is creating a ton of backup plans, meaning... I'm not going to scale just this mountain. I'm going to go up a little ways, set up some stuff to make it easier to get back, and I'm going to go down and go try another mountain and another one and another one. And now you've got all these different actual paths. My one thing on backup plans is have a 100% clear objective. And the only backup plans that I'm okay with are the ones that are on that route. So you're on the route to your goal. And if you slow down a little bit to create a backup plan on that route, I'm not opposed to it. If you get off the route to go make a safeguard and a backup plan, that is not, in my opinion, the way to succeed. <clears throat> so backup plans are fine. The amount of pegs you put in, the amount of safeguards you put in place on your path is kind of a personal preference thing. You can have very few. You can have a lot. You know, people with none, I think, are crazy. People with a ton, you know, way too many, I think are crazy. But there's a huge in-between there that is just a personal preference thing. But the one thing I would completely advise against is not having that one set clear path. So know what you want. Go and get it. 
if creating some backup plans on that path pop their head and make sense, then do it. In my case, personally, I had a college degree. I decided I knew what I wanted. <clears throat> uh, my degree was in accounting, and it was going to take a little extra work to get my CPA, to get my license as a CPA. I knew that was a huge backup plan. Where I was heading was financial. It was accounting. It wasn't going to hurt me to have a CPA. It wasn't taking me off the path. It slowed me down. I had to spend many, many months listening to boring CDs about the CPA exam, poring over books, spending a few days at the exam, a couple times in my case, um, and ultimately getting that CPA designation. Now that's a great backup plan. That peg is way behind me. I don't even know that it would catch and help me from where I am today, but it gave me comfort, peace of mind. <clears throat> you know, at the time it made sense. I slowed down on my trajectory to get that backup plan, uh, but but again, it didn't take me off the path I was on. And I've done that several times as I've grown and built a business. You know, there's certain points where you kind of lock, you stop for a minute, you lock a peg in that says, okay, if things go the wrong way, they don't take us all the way to crash and burn. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. You know, these pegs are spaced out. If things go poorly, it's going to set us back, but it's not going to destroy us. So anyway, that's my take on backup plans. Next up, my colleague, Zach Slayback. You can go to ZachSlayback.com. He works with me at Praxis as well. Zach is 22. He was on a scholarship to an Ivy League school, and he was bored and unhappy there, and he dropped out, started working with Praxis, and one of the most talented, hardworking, productive guys that I know. So here's Zach's more radical take on backup plans, and he's actually written an article on this. I think if you Google Zach Slayback, burn your backup plan, you will find it. There's a popular notion out there that you should always maintain some kind of backup plan. Now, this backup plan can be going and getting a, a degree so that you can say, oh, I can go and I can fall back on my degree. Or it could be uh, maintaining your day job while you go and you pursue your startup or anything like this, right? People even uh, maintain backup plans in relationships where they won't go after the person they actually really want to be with because they're afraid of rejection. So they're just going to stay in a a mediocre relationship that really doesn't make them all that happy and leaves everybody else uh, less well off than they would be otherwise. But your backup plan holds you back, and it holds you back in a number of ways. It holds you back psychologically, mentally, and emotionally. Psychologically, it holds you back because it prevents you from taking those kinds of big risks that are required to have high payoffs. If you actually want to live an ambitious and full life, one that isn't just above average, you need to take big risks. But those big risks come with the chance of having big failure. That's the flip side of risk. But when you hedge against taking these big risks and maintain your backup plan, it prevents you from giving yourself fully to the options you want to pursue. These, um, these options are things like going all in on your startup or going all in on uh, a relationship or going all in on your dream to uh, travel the world. Yes, traveling the world is something that's incredibly risky. And if you try to maintain a certain backup plan of, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, if it doesn't work out, I can always go back and uh, work my job as an insurance uh, salesman at Northwestern Mutual every day. It's going to make it impossible for you to actually go out, quit your job, and pursue uh, pursue your dream of traveling the world. Hold you back mentally by preventing you from giving yourself fully 
giving your full psychological and mental attention to pursuing these things. If you constantly are thinking in the back of your mind, oh, well, what if I fail? Well, I need to also be working on my backup plan at the same time. You're going to find that this is exhausting. This compartmentalization is not something that people can easily uh, handle themselves. And finally, it holds you back uh, emotionally as well because it prevents the highs from being high, and it also prevents the lows from being low. Most people maintain some sort of backup plan because they don't like the idea of the, uh, of the bottom falling out from under them. But having the possibility that the bottom is going to fall out from under you and that hard psychological and emotional strife that that will bring you is what allows you to have the highs that make it worthwhile. So your backup plan is holding you back, whether it's holding you back from just being happy or from actually achieving your goals or giving yourself fully into your goals. It is holding you back, and you need to burn it. Who have we next? Ah, yes, Jeff Till. Jeff Till blogs and podcasts at 500years.org. Here is Jeff's very thorough and interesting take on three different types of backup plans. Hi, Isaac. This is Jeffrey Till of 500years.org, fulfilling your request to talk about backup plans for two minutes. What I'd like to talk about today uh, is actually three different types of backup plans. One are very simple backup plans that tend to be the makeup, risk mitigation, and resiliency strategies in business. Number two, very complex backup plans for personal or business life. And then three, the one of the most clearest and most empowering backup plans, which is called the status quo. So starting with the first one, some very simple backup plans are simple things that you think up through to mitigate risks that you might have in your life or in business. So for example, my company always has a continual risk that we will be overbooked, meaning we will get so much work in that we won't have enough people to complete the work and then we will then upset customers because we can't meet their deadlines. So the simple backup plans for that uh, is we have a couple people we can call to chip in and do extra work. We have me as someone who could get on the bench and do the billable work if need be. And then we always have the possibility of just working uh, extended hours. Uh, on the other side, if we have the risk of having not enough business, I have to keep in the back of my mind that I can either push sales through some kind of formal way, or I have to think about hiring some, uh, firing someone rather, or cutting back on their pay, or doing something else to make sure I don't put the company in financial uh, jeopardy during that time. And you could go through uh, all sorts of different simple plans like that. The easiest one uh, for both personal and business life is to have some savings. So anytime uh, you go through a rough patch or something doesn't work out, you have money to fall back on. And that would be the same thing as if you were uh, deciding to do something big like start a business or change jobs. Having money in the bank is one of the best backup plans to ensure that if things don't go quite right, you have a way to, pay your, uh, to eat and pay your rent. The second one I wanted to talk about are very complex backup plans. And... The problem with very complex backup plans is they're usually made because there's either little faith in the primary plan or they're actually designed to be the primary plan uh, or the primary plan is so 
either undesirable or too risky or too presumably danger-laden to be pursued seriously. And my personal story with this is when I uh, graduated college and moved to Boston to find a market to become a musician in, I also did an extensive amount of planning to find a full-time corporate job. In my thinking about this, I thought, I'm going to have to work 40 hours a week. Either I can make $7 an hour at Dunkin' Donuts, uh, you know, wearing a, a name tag and a hat, or I can make twice that uh, sitting at a desk uh, doing graphic design or helping uh, outbound mail campaigns or some other kind of real function. And the backup plan also included the idea that if my musician career didn't pan out, I would still be on a good path to have a real uh, adult career, uh, make make money over the course of my lifetime, and be able to do other things that people like to do, uh, such as you know, have a family or buy a home, et cetera, et cetera. Now, in reality, my plan to become a musician was the weak part, my primary plan, because I one, I didn't really know what was entailed. To become a, a musician, a comp composing, performing musician, uh, the passionate part about writing music and playing what you want is a very small part. You also usually have to have a mixed income of giving lessons, uh, playing in a wedding band, and uh, doing other things that didn't appeal to me. Plus, it was very high risk. Uh, you would have to subject yourself voluntarily uh, to extreme, uh, extreme level of poverty uh, over a very long period of time with no guarantee that you'd ever be able to train yourself out of it. And you also have to be willing to squander the whole opportunity of having that regular uh, grown-up job because it's very difficult to you know, spend 20 years uh, being a smelly musician and then turning on a dime at the age of 40 and say, I'm going to join the corporate rat race. Uh, that's almost impossible to do. You're almost unhirable in many ways just because uh, of your age and your past decisions. So really, my very complex uh, backup plan was really the the risk-averse primary plan that I just didn't realize at the time. And so the only thing I could advise there is just be very cognizant um, and very thoughtful and aware when you're coming up with an elaborate backup plan and an elaborate primary plan to really know and think about what you're going through. Because there's a good chance that if your backup plan is too too thought out, too complex, that you're really sending a signal to yourself that you don't want to follow your primary plan. Okay, the very last thing I wanted to talk about was the status quo as the backup plan. And I think this is very enabling and very powerful. So if somebody has a new plan to, say, launch a business, uh, change jobs, move, you know, a thousand miles away from their home to a new, a new city... Uh, or if they're going to do something else like uh, decide to homeschool their children, uh, usually the backup plan is whatever you're currently doing before the change. So if you're worried about starting a new business venture and you don't have one right now, if the best business venture fails, all that happens is you revert back to the guy who didn't have one. You know, maybe you've lost some money, but your backup plan is just whatever the crappy thing was you're doing before. If you wanted to leave your industry and go work for a new one, uh, and it doesn't work out, the worst that happens is you just have to go back to what you were doing. Uh, this was very true for me when I first moved to Boston uh, from my hometown in Michigan. Uh, I had a, I was very afraid of the change, and everyone was like, 
you know, what happens if you fail? What happens if you don't get the job? If you can't pay your rent, if for whatever reason you flame out. And eventually I realized that it was, well, I just pack up and I go back home and I was just, I'd be just like the same as if I had never taken the change. Uh, I could always move back home. And that means it was very empowering because the, the worst thing that can happen on making the change is that nothing changes at all. Does that make sense? And so that was the same, uh, as with homeschool, um, we took the kids out. It was like the worst thing that could possibly happen is they'll have to be in the same crappy place they are right now, which is the public school system. So there, when you look at the backup plan as being your, your crappy current status, uh, your current status quo, uh, it really shows you that there is no risk in doing something new. So, uh, and again, another example, uh, and it was much easier this time, uh, when we moved from Boston to South Carolina, it was the same thing. If the worst thing that happens is we don't like it and we just go back to the place where we wanted to change, but then didn't get one. So anyway, that's my thoughts on backup plans overall, pretty handy things. If you're just thinking about risk mitigation, uh, something to be very thoughtful of if they're complex and look like they're bigger than your primary plan. And then thirdly, uh, a very empowering view of the status quo that says the worst that can happen is nothing happens at all. There it is. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Well, bye-bye to you as well, Jeff. Thank you very much. Uh, so next is TK Coleman. And in fairness to TK, unlike everyone else, th this is actually the conversation that gave me the idea to do to get a bunch of smart people saying something about backup plans. TK and I were having a conversation on Voxer, one of my favorite apps, who I'm still waiting to sponsor this podcast. Voxer, give me a call. Uh, give me a Vox. Um, I don't even know what we were talking about. And TK just kind of went off on this little uh, preacher riff <laughs> about, specifically about the idea of college as a backup plan. And you'll notice Derek, TK, Cameron, Zach, myself, those of us who work for Praxis, we all sort of have a, a bit more of a negative view on backup plans, specifically relating to this idea of college as a backup plan, because we run into it so much with so many people. Uh, I'll save my thoughts, but this was taken out of a broader conversation on Voxer. I downloaded uh, TK's message to me. I cut this part and I liked it so much. I thought I want to get a bunch of other people's opinions on backup plans. So here's TK on the idea specifically of college as a backup plan. And then there's this concept of the backup plan too, right? Well, okay, you got a business idea, you got a business opportunity, but you know, go to go to college at least for your backup plan. That's that's your backup plan. And my problem with that is twofold. Number one, what's what's the backup plan to college? What's the backup plan to investing four years of your life into something that might not work out? Because if it, if there ain't no guarantees, there ain't no guarantees. And we already know, we already know from a lot of people out there who've gone to college that it didn't work out the way they wanted it to. So what's the backup plan for that? But also this whole idea of a backup plan is based on these old school notions of failure, that if you go out there and you try something, you pursue a dream, you spend three, four years chasing after some business, chasing after some girl, chasing after some dream, whatever it is, that if it doesn't work out, then you have to start all over at ground zero. You just wasted three, four years of your life running around trying to do this and that. And in reality, when you when you go after something that you really want and you fail, you start off more like at ground 50 because of the wisdom and experience that you have 
or even just the interestingness that, that characterizes your personality, you develop personality. Think about how many young people don't even have personality. They don't know how to win a room. They don't know how to be interesting. They just, they just lack the ability to build rapport. They're not interesting. They can be smart, but put them on a podcast, and it's like, can you be interesting, though? Are you interesting? Think how rare that is, man. Um, it's, so it's like you don't start at ground zero. You start at ground 50 if you fail. The, the backup plan is the wisdom that you gain from the failure. Failure is the backup plan. What's your backup plan in case you fail? To build on that failure. Failure is the backup plan, man. And finally, before I give some concluding thoughts, Derek McGill. Derek uh, dropped out of the University of Michigan and went to work on a marketing company of his own. Then he joined Praxis. And after Praxis, he was hired full-time by Praxis. He is our marketing director. Uh, You can check out DerekMcGill.com. He's very active on Quora as well. All-around interesting guy. Derek gives his take on backup plans. So the problem that I have with backup plans is not so much that, you know, they're a backup plan and you have, you know, an alternative to your, uh, you know, your plan A or your your first option. Um, My issue really is with the way that they're they're looked at today and the way they're sort of applied uh, in everyday life. Uh, This is sort of particularly and sadly evident in in the, the, the average college student whom, you know, if you talk to, they'll say something like, I don't really think college is that useful or I'm not really having a good time here or, you know, I'd rather go, I'd rather go be a businessman or I want to be a freelancer or I want to uh, uh, be a travel blogger or, you know, any number of things that they want to do that might not necessarily uh, require a college degree. They'll tell you, but I'm in college because a college degree is a backup plan and I need a backup plan in case my plan A fails. And for me, this is always sort of ridiculous considering the fact that, you know, most of these kids are paying anywhere from 100 to $200,000 uh, over the course of their four-year degree to go to this school. Meanwhile, they've spent no money over that period of time on uh, their plan A. And this is not what a backup plan is supposed to be. A backup plan is not supposed to be something that you spend money on before you've even attempted your plan A. A backup plan is more like insurance. But the way most people treat it today is like if you would buy car insurance before you buy a, a car itself, which is, you know, it's ridiculous. So for me, a backup plan can only be useful if it's viewed primarily as uh, something that is cost low while you're pursuing your plan A, very cost low, and uh, that is understood more as an insurance policy uh, than anything else. And I think if you look at it like that, uh, there might be some value in having one. All right. Hey, that was actually a lot of fun. I love that. I hope you enjoyed it as well. So you probably heard that and you thought, well, geez, all of these older gentlemen, you know, uh, Jeff and Albert and Levi, all of whom own their own businesses and, you know, have children. They, they all seem to have these reasonable perspectives about the value of backup plans. And all these guys that are working for Praxis are just crazy. They're like, oh, no backup plan, no backup plan. Well, maybe that's true, but I, I don't think it is actually. I think everybody... I actually think everybody that contributed to this episode probably would agree with everybody else who contributed. It's kind of just how you look at it and what context you're dealing with it in. You know, TK, Derek, Zach, Cameron, and myself, as I mentioned, um, we just see a lot of people with just soul dead eyes saying, I'm hating every minute of my life. Um, You know, one year into college, I got three more left, a whole ton of debt. I'm bored. It's horrible. It's soul sucking. I'm just, I'm dying here. It's not what I want to do at all. I want to start a business. I want to do this. I want to do that. But I guess it's a backup plan. 
And that's where we say, what, what the heck? How has this concept of a backup plan gotten so twisted? So my own personal take, I don't like backup plans in, in that way. I find backup plans. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little more bold than that. I'm going to say I don't like backup plans in general. I think if you focus on building a backup plan, it's really dangerous. Here's why. I think you are your backup plan. You are your best backup plan. The things you develop and become in pursuing your dreams or in simply staying away, as I like to say, don't don't try to find what you love if it's too hard. Just don't do things you hate and just avoiding things you hate and doing things that make you feel alive, just to staying away from things that make you feel dead. What you become in the process is your backup plan. The network you build, the skills you build, the confidence you gain, the knowledge you gain, everything that you gain in in pursuing things that don't make you feel dead inside, those are so valuable. They create its own safety net backup plan for you. They're more valuable than a specific and unrelated second career option backup plan, right? So if you're focusing on building a, and many people touched on this, a highly specific backup plan, you're actually destroying everything that would make you good at plan A, right? So I'm going to give you a concrete example that I see all the time. The worst backup plan I've ever encountered in my life is law school. So many people, they finish undergrad and they're like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm not sure. I might want to be an artist. I might want to do this. I might want to do that. Maybe I like marketing. Maybe, you know, who knows? But because I don't know, I want to have a backup plan just in case. So I'll go to law school because then no matter what I do, I'll have all kinds of options and I'll make t- I can make tons of money at any time. That is the worst backup plan ever because it destroys everything that would enable you to succeed at literally any other plan. In almost all cases, there are exceptions, but law school is so highly specialized, it's so intensive, it's so costly that if you come out the other end 3 years later, you've got 200,000, 300,000 in debt plus and you need to make enough money to service that debt. And the only thing you're you're qualified to do that will earn you that amount of money at this point in your life with all that specialization is like merger and acquisition paperwork or you know corporate law. If you love that, great. But if that was your backup plan, now you're stuck doing that because nothing else will pay the bills. Five, well, I'll pay the I'll pay off my debt and then five years later I'll do something that I love. Five years later, you'll be making 250000 a year and you'll have a mortgage that will consume all of that and a car and a lifestyle and you won't be able to downgrade your lifestyle and go into a job that starts at 40 k I know so many lawyers who are like, they just feel trapped. Yes, I have a good income, but I'm kind of a slave to my lifestyle, to my income. I can't, I'm not flexible. So the backup plan takes over your life, consumes it. And if your backup plan requires you to develop skills, attributes, traits, habits, networks, et cetera, that are actually counterproductive to your, to your plan A, then I would say just push that thing aside. And plan A, if it's something that you care about or it's the exploratory process to figure out what you care about, it brings with it its own backup plan. How many people that have really gone after founding a company and have, and have launched a startup and after a year or two it failed – I've, I've, I've written about this before. Just because the startup failed doesn't mean the entrepreneur failed. In fact, they almost always will tell you 
they're way better off for having tried that and what it gave them. They Now they have a much different network, a much different level of respect with people around them, a skill set that's really unique. Not many people have tried to start a company and have started one and run one for a couple years or whatever it might be. Not many people have raised venture funding. Not many people have even tried. What they become, who they meet, what they, what they gain is its own backup plan. I think that's what TK meant when he said failure is your backup plan. Not like, oh, well, failure is great. Nothing like that. But that who you become by not settling, by not just saying, well, I don't know, I guess I'll do something I hate just in case. Uh, that's, that's where you really gain the ability. You know, If you go out and try things, whether or not they succeed, who you become in the process is so valuable and allows you to do so many other things uh, if it doesn't work out. So that's kind of my take on on backup plans. I mean, you know, there's there's a simple incentive or, or almost moral hazard problem. You think of the, the great, you know, Batman, the Dark Knight Rises scene, like you can't, you can't climb out of the, you can't climb out of the prison when you have the rope on, because you know that if you'd miss the jump, you'll still live. When you cut the rope, you have to make the jump and that makes you able to do it. And there's, there's an element of that. But I think like Levi said, that's not every spot in life at every time. There are times where like you don't want to fall all the way to the ground, um, but there are times where you need to. There are times where you're so stuck in a rut, you're never going to get out if you have a safety net, if you have a fallback, if you have a, you know, well, it's not going to hurt that much. So I'll just halfway try. I'm not going to try all the way because even if I fail, it's not gonna, like you need a little skin in the game at times as well. And I think backup plans that become overly detailed, overly complex, and that start to dictate who you become, they are detrimental. Uh, plan A, as Albert Lou said, always needs to take precedence. Hey, this was a blast. I absolutely loved it. I hope you guys liked it as well. Uh, send me some topics. Go to isaacmorehouse.com or isaacmorehouse at gmail.com. Send me some uh, some topics you'd love me to, to have uh, and even some, some names of people that you think would be cool to give me a little riff on that topic.